one of the striking things that we're seeing is that a lot of people are, are stating that they enjoy not having to commute. They enjoy that time mm-hmm. they didn't have before. They enjoy having this extra money available, which raises the question, okay, do we need to make commuting cheaper and faster? This is the Magellan Journal, a podcast series here to help you navigate through EU opportunities. We remove the noise around current EU issues on different topics, such as transport and environment, each time through the perspective of a different expert. In this episode, we talk to Stephanie Leonard, Head of Innovation and Policy at TomTom, about post-pandemic mobility and the role of the government in supporting it. Hi, Stephanie, thank you for joining us in this podcast. Can you please, to begin with, present yourself, the organization you work for and your role in it? Sure, Andreas. My name is Stephanie Leonard. I'm in charge of policy and innovation for the traffic part of TomTom. So basically, I have to manage the the government affairs part of of TomTom, but also kind of coordinate the, the research and innovation part of the company as well. Great. So TomTom is a technology company worldwide leader. According to a quote from the CEO, mobility will be more and more autonomous, connected, electric and shared. How will technology help accelerating such vision in your opinion? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think that technology nowadays has the ability to move and develop very quickly, right? So I think in answer to your question about how it can accelerate such a vision, technology can move very quickly these days. I think it's it's a combination of a lot of the resources invested in R&I from most companies is extremely significant, and that's really kind of propelling things to move very quickly. But a large amount of the workforce nowadays have got really the skills and expertise to work on really innovative things like, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning. And, and you know, the human mind, let's say, is, is really pushing the boundary more than ever before. And that's, you know, a key factor of why we're able to push technology as quickly as we are. But having said that, technology is only one piece of a broader puzzle. So once you have the technology, the challenge, of course, is to deploy it. And to deploy it, you need the right business case, the right business model. You need enough supply and demand. You then need to have user acceptance to get that technology on the road. And then, of course, you need the regulation. So it's, the technology has the capability to move quickly, but to get it deployed quickly, you need the other pieces of the puzzle connected as well. Indeed. So as you mentioned, regulations and all of that, one could ask how a software company managed to be deeply involved in public matters. I'm thinking specifically about the traffic management where a private-public collaboration is crucial. How is this possible mm-hmm. in your case? Yeah, traffic management is a very interesting topic because it has evolved so much in the past 10 to 20 years. And one of the, the ways in which it's evolving is the fact that we now have the ability to actually make the driver itself part of the equation of how we manage our traffic in a much safer, much more efficient way. You know, you can see the driver is is an extra pair of of ears and eyes on the road that can tell you what's happening. Um, They can tell you about accidents that they've seen. They can tell you about road closures as soon as they've happened. You know, they, they are part of the equation and they can provide you a lot of input, but they're also very useful for the output. So, Drivers are also very useful and, and influential in deciding what route they take, for example, you know, what time of the day do they leave, which specific route do they take, does it pass a school, does it pass a certain polluted part of a city. 
So, you know, we are very much from a navigation service provider perspective, looking at how we can actually interact with the driver more to make the overall management of the mobility system as, as efficiently as possible. And the term in which the traffic sector, traffic management sector is using is something called strategic routing, where you place the driver at the heart of the equation and you give actually a lot of influence on the driver to choose a route which actually can help congestion levels, that can help pollution levels. And I think that the Ertico traffic management platform, uh, TM 2.0, is also a very useful fora to actually increase that public-private collaboration because it's in those meetings when you can exchange roadmaps, when you can discuss problems, where you can actually come up with a shared vision. So TM 2.0 is very important for that. But I think one of the most interesting cases moving forward will be what will traffic management look like with automated vehicles? And the interesting part of that question is who ultimately is going to be in control of the traffic when the car is automated? Because right now you have the driver, which is responsible for the operation of the vehicle. But at some point, we're going to have a machine which is in control. And, you know, then is it the traffic management operator that's still more in control? Or is it companies like TopCom as a service provider doing the navigation, which is more in control of how the traffic is moving? So a lot of interesting stuff coming up in the space. And, and indeed, public-private cooperation is going to be even more important to answer those questions than the ones we have today. Yeah, exactly. And this also brings us to the question of data privacy, which is quite a sensitive mm. issue. However, location, which is your core business, often implies that confidential data are shared and treated. How do you face these challenges with the new EU regulations as well? So we have a, a kind of slogan at the company, at TomTom, that, you know, big data drives our business, but privacy comes first. And, you know, TomTom, for those of you that might not actually know, was compliant with GDPR long before GDPR actually came into, into force. And we always took privacy very, very seriously from day one when we, when we did our traffic services back in 2008. But also we actually used our pro-privacy angle as a competitive advantage against other companies that didn't have the same, the same approach, basically. So we've always um, been very focused on what's called privacy by design, which is when you make your technology compliant from the moment it begins rather than having to make adaptations later. And you know, as a company, TomTom has no interest whatsoever in knowing who is behind the probe data that we use to power our traffic information services. We have, we have no interest whatsoever in knowing what's behind that. And we have a very comprehensive system in place to make sure that we can't identify the user. So I won't bore you with all the details because it's, it's quite technical and my DPO can explain it much better than me. But we, we have a very comprehensive system in place that all our customers really trust and know that we can handle um, this data with care. And it's something that as a company, we take extremely seriously. And, and you know, we were quite pleased when the commission came with, with GDPR because it can actually offer something hopefully turns into an international standard you know we we adopt this kind of pro-privacy approach for all global markets not just in europe but we hope that gdpr over time will become the kind of new norm in all markets around the world 
Of course. And now I have a few questions about your article that I read on Thinking Highways, which is quite interesting. So your article was on the role of governments in the next generation vehicles, and it raised quite some attention. So indeed, the impact of the pandemic questioned the role played by public authorities in mobility and transport. Can you tell us a bit more about your view on this? Yes. So we wrote an article at TomTom, and I was heavily involved in the, in the drafting of it, about the response of the public sector to the pandemic. And we as a company, of course, have been monitoring the effects of, of, of coronavirus on how people are moving and what are the changes in travel behavior. And one of the, the alarming things we saw was that there were at times, you know, increased traffic levels in comparison. We, you could see changes in, in the travel pattern and we could see from different sources that, you know, ridership levels in public transport were completely dropping, that, you know, the mobility behavior was changing. and what is undoubtedly going to happen as, re- as a response to this pandemic is we're going to have a huge financial economic crisis. I think that, that I think everyone knows that this is going to yeah. come. And one of the points I was putting through in this article was, you know, we've been talking about mobility to service, for example, for the last decade. And I think in the last couple of years, we'd actually really reached a moment in which you had startups that were really taking this seriously and trying to enter into the market. You had mass operators existing and pushing through but those companies will find the pandemic and and the economic kind of consequence really really difficult one of the points i was pushing through in this article was to say look you know in my opinion the public sector should have a role in trying to make sure that those companies make it out of this economic crisis at the end of it you know we've we've spent so much the past decade really thinking about to organize transport differently and, and trying to get the private sector more involved with coming up with these solutions to encourage more sustainable travel behavior. So for those companies not to make out of this economic crisis would be such a step backwards. So that was the point that I was trying to push to say, look, you, they have a role in, in trying to keep those companies afloat, but also during this pandemic to actually keep the confidence up on taking those shared modes of transport, you know, someone facing getting on a completely full bus even if actually the evidence of of, you know contracting COVID is actually relatively quite low the perceived threat is going to be so high that people will just simply not get on a bus or a tram or a metro if it's too crowded and another point that I was pushing in this article was to say you know try and keep the number of services operating as much as you can even if the buses aren't completely full because it will give confidence to people to actually take it so I think, I think there is an increased role and, and there is an increased role of the public in times of crises like we have today. Exactly. And you quoted this recent research from the UK's Department for Transport, which highlighted that in April, when the pandemic was at its peak, let's say, in the lockdown, rail and London underground usage fell by over 95% and the number of bus passengers dropped by 85%. And you mentioned the role of, of public authorities in, in pushing for this more. And But do you have any other opinions how we can bring back trust into the commuter, which is the foundation of, of uh, mobility as a service, for example? Yeah, so to complement, you know, that that survey that was done by the DFT, we we also at TomTom kind of did some consumer research at a UK level. And what we found is that a huge proportion of of people actually really actually enjoy working from home and and don't have plans to, to return to the office if they can. They enjoy the time that they're saving by not having to commute. They're enjoying the money that they're saving by not having to commute. And I think you know, how we can 
bring back trust. Uh, trust is one aspect, but how can commuting compete with not commuting? I think that's one of the key questions because, you know, people clearly need to enjoy their commute more. You know, it, it's one of the striking things that we're seeing is that a lot of people are, are stating that they enjoy not having to commute. They enjoy that time mm-hmm. they didn't have before. They, they enjoy having this extra, you know, money available, which raises the question, okay, do we need to make commuting cheaper and faster? Is that basically what's kind of coming out of this? And I, th- I think for a lot of people that are commuting also from the suburbs and that they don't live directly in the city, you know, we have to entice, incentivize them to come back with a very quick and seamless and easy commute, clearly. I, th- I think that's one of the striking things that's come for me. And, and what we've also seen in the kind of, in our traffic information, traffic data, is that there are, you know, more people that are driving now and it's, and it is a worrying pattern for us. So, you know, if we want to build trust back into the system, we clearly need a mobility system that is seamless, that it's efficient, that it's fast and wherever possible, it can also be as, as cheap as possible. Exactly. And this brings me on to my next question on the poor air quality, which is a fight you are taking seriously. So as yeah. we just mentioned, COVID-19 worsened this issue since public transport dropped and people started using their private vehicles again more and more. Mm. What is mm. the reaction of TomTom to this unexpected switch, especially in the view of the Green Deal climate policy? Yeah, so from, from TomTom's perspective, even though we're a company that provides, you know, car navigation to drivers, traffic information service for drivers, you know, we are conscious of our role in making mobility a safer, congestion-free world. And the trend is worrying for us. So we wouldn't say that we're, we're supportive of this switch, actually, on the contrary. And, you know, our message now is, all, is the same message that we give every year when we publish the TomTom Traffic Index which is that drivers, we, but we all have a part to play in keeping congestion levels as low as possible. And there are many things that the driver can do to actually help this. One of, one of which is really reflecting on the time of day that you actually travel. You know, one of the reasons why we have really bad uh, traffic jams in the morning and in the evening is because we have bottlenecks where everyone is leaving at the exact same time. And we always try to push through with our data and information to say, look, if you travel, you know, an hour earlier or an hour later, you could cut your commute in half sometimes mm-hmm. because you're basically avoiding that bottleneck. So that's one of the, the messages that we would be pushing is, okay, in this new kind of post-pandemic world, really take the time to reflect about, you know, how you can impact your mobility system directly. What is your travel behavior? Can you change anything to improve the quality of the system you know one of the easiest things you can do is actually just really think of the time in which you travel to avoid everyone else so we basically flatten the traffic curve which i guess is immediately linked to also the time when people work because traveling is very related to work yeah yes exactly so that that's a kind of a key message from our side and of course whenever you drive make sure that you drive with traffic information so that you can actually keep one step ahead and not you know find yourself stuck in an exactly. area road is closed or there's roadworks or that there's a huge traffic jam because if you use something like TomTom, you'll actually know before um, then to avoid that area and, and that kind of keeps the mobility system as, as efficient as possible. Yes, and finally, uh, we can't neglect these new behavioral patterns in mobility that we just discussed about created by the pandemic. As the year is coming to an end and we already live almost one year in the pandemic, what would you keep and what would you get rid of in 2021? I would definitely keep 
flattening this traffic curve, as I mentioned. So getting people to actually change the time of day that they actually, when they travel, to really think about that in a, a more proactive way. And we are seeing evidence that actually that is happening. We don't have the same peaks in the morning and the evening as we used to. It's kind of more a stagnant level throughout the day. So that we definitely would like to keep. And then things we would like to stop, of course, you know, the, the worrying trend of people not taking public transport and, and shared mobility services which is leading to increased traffic levels. That's something that even as a company like TomTom, working on location technology, that's something that we would also like to stop. Exactly. Okay, that was my last question. Well, thank you very much, Stephanie, for talking to us about this and uh, I wish you a nice day. You too. Bye. If you like this podcast and want to know more about Magellan, check out our website at www.magellan-association.org.